look at the book of Acts, we know that it was written by Luke. It's an account of men and women who took the Great Commission seriously. There's a Greek word that's called prakitis. Now, you pardon these Greek scholars, pardon me for not saying that right. Uh, didn't do Greek. But it's a common Greek term to summarize the accomplishments or acts of outstanding men. Now, look, whilst he mentions the disciples, the apostles, collectively at several points, really records for us the acts of Peter and Paul, and of course, Stephen is in, in amongst the first chapters as well. And I think you will agree that these two men were certainly outstanding men, and they certainly didn't have wasted lives. Turn me, if you would please, to Acts chapter 4. I'm going to read verses 1 to 22. This is the account where Peter and John were arrested after the lame man was healed. We go back to chapter 3, the lame man was at the temple. We all know the children's song. Peter and John went to pray. They met a lame man on the way. He asked for alms and he held out his palms. And this is what Peter did say. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I unto you. In the name of Jesus Christ, stand up. So chapter 4, verse 1. And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold until the next day, for it was now eventide. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. And it came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and elders and scribes and Annas, the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander, and as many as of the where of the kindred of the high priests were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the, in the midst, they asked them, By what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the important man, by what means he is made whole? Be it known unto you all and to the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which is become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men where we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred amongst themselves saying, What shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle has been done by them is manifest to all, 
to all them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them, that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. And they called them, and they called them, and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak in the speak the things we have which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. For all men glorified God for what for that which was done. For the man was above forty years old, whom this miracle of healing was showed. Let's pause for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, as we turn to your word now, help both speaker and hearer alike to glean a blessing from your word. Father, we thank you. I thank you for this opportunity. And Father, we just pray that you will be with me and Lord, help my words be acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you imagine if those apostles and disciples that were given the Great Commission and all the other things they had seen and heard whilst being with Christ, can you imagine if they decided not to bother to do anything with that message? Can you imagine if they just said, well, that was very nice, he's dead now and that's it. There would be no churches founded in Jerusalem in AD 30 or at Antioch in Syria in the early 40s. There'd be no churches at Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, Corinth, or what about the church at Ephesus, Colossae, Laodicea between AD 53-57. Then also no church on the Isle of Crete between AD 62 and 67. From these early churches, the message eventually reached the rest of Europe and UK. What were the things that Peter and John heard and saw that they couldn't but speak about? What was in the message to the early church that made many souls turn to Jesus? In Acts, Luke records for us 14, uh, 14 messages, um, five by Peter, one by Stephen, and eight by Paul. And what was in these messages? What was, what was in these sermons, these speeches, maybe apart from two of them, that turned the world upside down and proved that our early church fathers certainly didn't have any wasted lives. Let me suggest four things that were in these, in these passages. And I, and I encourage you to go home and, and, and to read these. I, I'll mention them very quickly in a minute. So here's the four things that were in these passages. The death of Jesus and offer of righteousness. The resurrection of Jesus and its implications. The promise of Oh, the offer of the gift of the Holy Spirit and the promise of his second coming of Jesus and warning 
of the day of the Lord and judgment. So there are the four elements. There are the four fundamental things that were in these messages. Where do you find them? Well, you find them in Acts 2, Acts 3, Acts 4, Acts 10, Acts 13, Acts 17. That's just but a few. If you go through Acts and, and, and look at these 14, uh, 14 messages and sermons, you will find an offer of the Holy Spirit. You will find a mention of the great day of the Lord. You will find salvation offered. You will find it talks about death. You will find it talks about resurrection. You will find it talks again of, of uh, Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, forgiveness of sin, and judgment and resurrection. So, four major elements, fundamentals, that they were preaching of the early Christian. Christians. These elements cause people to have a change of heart, faith in Jesus, and a willingness to turn from their sinful ways. These elements did the same for me and for you. Here's a question. Are these then the fundamental things that we still use today in our witnessing, in our preaching? You know, if we're not, then can I state that we're not preaching the gospel and we're almost in danger of having a wasted life? In the British Army, the troops get drummed into them, the Army Corps values. William won't remember these because they weren't about when he served, nor me. I'm not saying that William served in the, you know, a long time ago, but... These core values were not about when we served. And the core values, what we call sea drills. And I have a great, great pleasure of sitting in the Padre's lessons while the troops get uh, taught about these sea drills. See, the, 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 the mnemonic sea drill, C-D-R-I-L-S, stands for courage, discipline, respect for others, integrity, and selfless commitment. I had a, a great privilege uh, before coming up. Uh, Padre asked me to take the Thursday evening uh, Padre's um, church service for new suppers. These are the engineers. Uh, don't ask me why they're called suppers. I have no idea. Um, but they're, they're trainees, and they have to go to a pad at least one Padre's uh, church service. And I had the privilege of, of speaking to them. And I used, I used selfless commitment. And of course, who was, who was the greatest person on, 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 on that ever lived in this earth? But Christ, who showed selfless commitment. So I had a great privilege of doing that. When you talk to soldiers that I speak to, some get injured and they have to go into rehabilitation. They feel as if they've wasted their time. They feel unhappy. They feel uh, that I'm going to be here longer than I wanted to be. And as I sit there, I see so many parallels in military life to the Christian life, to the Christian church and Christians today. So w w without sounding, because uh, I couldn't anyway, it's only little people that sound like sergeant majors, um, let me encourage you, without sounding like a sergeant major, let me encourage you and remind you 
of these things that we've got of the fundamental in our Christian faith. From the message Luke records for us in Acts, we see the early church was built on these. Let us continue to be people that talk about the things we have heard and seen. Now, we weren't privileged to be like the disciples. We didn't walk with Christ on the earth. We didn't see the miracles happening. We didn't see the miracles of the breaking of the bread and the feeding of the 5,000, the 4,000. We didn't see Christ walking on water. We weren't Peter that tried to walk on water but lost sight of Christ and started sinking. We weren't there then. But what have we seen and heard? What can each one of us probably in this building testify of Christ or the death of Christ and the offer of forgiveness in our own lives? So when you think about or how often do you think about the death of Christ? Yes, we have communion, and that's what was set aside for us to remember the Lord's death. But how often do you do you do it daily? Do you remember Christ's death daily for us? Uh, I was listening to a, a young trainee uh, pastor, I, I guess he is, a guy called Felix, who's up at the, the Keswick Convention. I was listening to his message. And he was saying that he was talking to a bunch of students. And he was talking about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he said, oh, I was talking about it so commonly and so plainly until a young Chinese girl next to him, when he mentioned that Christ died but rose again, jumped up from her seat and said, hallelujah, wow. He rose again. She could hardly speak English. And he was taken by that. He was affected by that. That this person who he did not know, didn't know if she was a Christian, she obviously probably wasn't, but all of a sudden was affected by the fact that Christ died and that he rose again. And he felt, wow, and here I am preaching just glibly about Jesus dying about him being buried, about him being risen again. We should be excited about these things. We should, we should daily realize that we are here where we are because of Christ's death. I don't want to go into the, into the, 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 the awfulness of Christ's death. We all know the pain and the suffering that he went through. The rejection of the Father was probably even the worst of all of it. But on that cross, when he was dying on that cross, there was people affected by his death. There was the thief on one side and there was the Roman soldier. They were affected by his death. Some say that that Roman soldier was the later soldier that we read in Acts, Cornelius. I don't know where they get their evidence for that, but it's a nice thought. Some say that the thief on the cross was just edging his bets. Lord, forgive me. And then he told his friend, don't you, don't you fear God that we are under the same punishment as him? And some say, well, he was just edging his bets because he was dying. Listen, 
Man looks on the outward appearance, but who sees the heart? God sees the heart. He knew what was in the heart of that thief that day. And he wanted forgiveness. He took up the offer of forgiveness on the death of Christ. What else can we get excited about? Well, Jesus and his forgiveness, Jesus and the resurrection. Now, I love, I love the resurrection story, and I love hearing clever people arguing over this. People like maybe JJ, you know, Jason and, and, and you know, a brother, what's his name, that I can't understand from Scotland. You know, when they talk, when they talk and, and they explain the resurrection and the, and the objections to it, the disciples stole the body. Oh, come on, people. The disciples stealing the body. They were, they were unlearned men. We read it in our scriptures. They were unlearned men. They said, what did they say about them? They, they were astonished. Uh, oh, where were we? Chapter 4. I, I, I'm getting old. You can tell, can't I? I'm getting so forgetful. Um, now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, are these the type of men that were going to go to a grave, remove a big stone, while there was Roman soldiers there? Roman soldiers, yeah? Roman soldiers at that time were the most fear soldiers in the world. It's, 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 it's just silly. And the bit I like about the resurrection is that the stone wasn't rolled away to let Christ out. It was to let Peter and John in. And when they went in, up until that point, they, couldn't re they, they didn't know. They didn't know, they didn't, uh, they didn't perceive that what Christ had foretold them about him resurrecting on the third day until that point. That's just wonderful, that's marvelous. I love the resurrection story, particularly because of the time Jesus spends with Mary. Poor Mary, she goes to the grave and the stone's rolled away. And then she goes and she says, they've, they've taken him. And in those days, it seemingly wasn't it wasn't unknown for body snatchers to, to, to go to graves and, and try and find the, 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 the ointments and the, the, the stuff that they would um, anoint the body with or maybe jewellery that would have been put in the grave with them. But poor Mary was there and then she had an account, encounter with Jesus. Remember that encounter? So wonderful. She thought he was the gardener. Where have you taken him? Tell me so I can go get him. She was a lady. Was she going to pick up Jesus and, and take him somewhere else? She was grieving, yes. But what happened? Jesus spoke. And she turned, she went, Rabboni. Rabboni. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? that she suddenly realizes that the resurrection has taken place. The help of the Holy Spirit. This is something else that we can get excited about. Now, don't worry. 
I'm not going to go all Pentecostal on you, okay? Um, and if I do, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure there'll be men that will throw me off the pulpit and, uh, and he'll probably come up and he'll speak from his cornflake box that he told me he was going to do anyway if, if I had failed to come. This is, this, is your, this is your elder, this is your deacon, folks, okay? His, his head bowed in shame now. When I phoned him, I said, are you still expecting me? He says, yes, you better be coming, otherwise I'll be speaking from the back of a cornflake box. So that's where your elder gets his messages from, folks, from the back of a cornflake box, okay? Not from the word of God, from the back of a cornflake box. I've shamed him now. Name them, shamed them. Okay. So the help of the Holy Spirit. There's been times, folks, when I've walked into an army camp and there's been a tension. Uh, the Grand Guards are, 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 are the best ones for that. The Grenadier Guards, you know, the ones that march along to do... You know that ones? Remember that one, William? Marching to that great song? And, these, and, and they almost seen aloof. And I walked in, walked into the stores, and there's lots of Commonwealth soldiers within... Uh, the Grand Guards, and uh, the, the, they tend to be the ones that will speak to you. Now, don't get me wrong, I, I know William said I didn't come in uniform, but I was, there was a picture of me there in uniform. And the, the rank slide that we wear is quite confusing, because people think it's, it's the rank of a WO2. Now, people call those that rank sir. Now, I don't mind being called sir, okay? But I was never a sir when I served in the army, so it does get to me a little bit. So I often tell them, no, I'm Jim. Don't call me, sir, please. But anyway, this gentleman jump up and he goes, oh, sir, what can I do for you? I says, if you've got a cup of tea going, it'd be nice. Or, you know, a cup of coffee, that would be nice. He goes, oh, yeah, I can get you a cup of tea. And we sit down with a cup of tea. And the, the atmosphere just changed from, from being sort of, not evil, but unwelcoming to suddenly been very welcoming. And it was only because I said, oh, Holy Spirit, just help me here. Just help me here. And that's a great pr prayer to say. I wonder how many of you actually pray and ask the Holy Spirit to be renewed in you daily. Yes, we are given the Holy Spirit on conversion. He enters his end. We, we've got the Bible proof for that. And, and even in our reading, Peter was filled with the Holy Ghost, and he said to them, that's what probably made him bold. And, you know, I wonder how many of us actually daily say, Lord, renew your spirit within me. It's one of the things that the early church fathers used to turn the world upside down. The help of the Holy Spirit. We Christians, we, we tend to shy away from the Holy Spirit thing. But it, it's a promise from Christ. If I go, I will send the Comforter. The Holy Spirit is that Comforter. He's come to comfort us. He's come to help us. He's come to direct us. If we end up suppressing that help, then can I suggest that our days won't go well? 
There has been days when I've gone in and, and you know, there's been people there and I said, oh, Lord, you know, help me here, Holy Spirit, and make me, you know, have a good... And it's, nothing's happened. It's a bit like when I think, was it Paul was told or led by the Holy Spirit not to go somewhere? So the Holy Spirit will shut your mouth at times as well. And for some of us, that's probably a good thing. Some of us might just... So I'll be sitting there saying, yes, you're going to be certain waffling in a minute, so it might be time to be quiet. And the Holy Spirit will help you do that. There's a time to speak. There's a time to stay silent. I'm getting very, very deaf now, and that doesn't help when I'm trying to listen to people like William. He's got such a strange accent. But listening is part of an army scripture's job. We... we most of us would, listen, would say that we listen well. I was in uh, a camp called Gibraltar Barracks. Uh, it's not in Gibraltar, unfortunately. It's actually in a place called Minley. And Minley, there is a Minley in Germany, so it's not in Germany either. It's actually down in where we live. And I was in Gibraltar Barracks. This is where these sappers are, the trainee engineers. And... Um, I was in a place called the Jackson Club. Now, the Jackson Club is a, is a sort of um, uh, leg of the ministry of Sajra, and it's where the troops can come in and, 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 and have some downtime. Well, they can't at the moment because of the restrictions, but it's like a little bit of an oasis. And I was standing there in the Jackson Club, uh, and I got speaking to a guy um, there, and he was uh, one of the guys that was on rehab. And I said to him, how's rehab going? And he goes, it's a slog, Jim. It's a hard race, Jim. Now, if I'd been quick enough, I could have turned that conversation into a gospel message. But I wasn't quick enough. It's a hard race. Where would you have taken him, folks, when he said that? Where would you have taken him in Scripture? If he said that. Yeah. And and sometimes you're just not quick enough. Some scriptures are very quick in being able to turn a conversation into a gospel conversation. Okay, so it's another prayer request that I will sort of be able to do that in a in a quicker way. Okay, but that's the help of the Holy Spirit. And then the last one, the knowledge that the best is yet to come, the return of Jesus. Oh, how we look forward to the return of Jesus. The state of the world at the moment almost pleads, come, Lord Jesus. But you know, that's not the biggest blessing. The biggest blessing is that we will not face judgment for our sin. Have you noticed that? The promise of the second coming of Jesus and the warning of the day of the Lord and judgment. That's what the thing, what the early church used. The warning of the day of the Lord. You know, when we preach, it's no point in preaching lovey-dovey, rosy daisies and sunflowers. We need to preach and warn people of the day of the Lord. Now, I'm going to admit something here. When you're an army scripture reader, you are... A little bit restricted about jumping into an army camp and saying, the day of the Lord is coming, repent and be saved. Sometimes if we did that, we may be chucked out. 
and we may lose our, our ability to go into camp. So how do we go about it? Well, we go about by friend, befriending soldiers, and then when they start having an interest in the death of Christ, when they start having an interest in the offer of salvation or other things, or maybe they would bring it up, then we can talk to them then and warn them then of the day of the Lord and judgment. There's an army scripture user called Dave Hossocks. Uh, do pray for Dave at the moment. He's just lost his mum. And uh, he's been running up and down from um, Catrick. Yeah, Catrick to, to Bristol area. Um, just to be with his mum who was in uh, palliative care for a while, but she passed away lately. Do pray for Dave. Dave is, is, is a great evangelist. And he, he, his, his motto is that he will not leave a soldier without a pebble in his shoe. <laughs> he will not leave a soldier without a pebble in his shoe. How do you feel when you've got a pebble in your shoe? You feel uncomfortable. So Dave doesn't leave a soldier without making them feel, I want to hear more. Or, that's making me feel a wee bit uncomfortable. And that's Dave's motto. Some scripture readers, like myself, will not leave a conversation, if it's been a good conversation, gospel, I will not leave them without scripture or a tract that may be suitable to their situation. So just in finishing, let me remind you then, once again, what we have so much to be thankful for, the effects of Jesus and his forgiveness in our lives, the hope that Jesus, Jesus' resurrection gives us, the daily help that the Holy Spirit gives us and the knowledge that Jesus will come back for us and that we will not stand in that awful day of judgment. Our sins are forgiven. Our sins are forgiven. One more story and then I promise I will close. This was a guy called, um, hmm. anyway, the Lord knows his name. He's, he's, a, he's, a, uh, he's a, a soldier from the Caribbean. And he was just about to weigh his bergen. And I walked past, I was with two girls from headquarters, uh, taking them out to show them the camp and they could sit in the Padre's lesson. And this guy I, uh, I'd met before and, and I said good morning to him and he says, oh, hi, Jim, I'm just weigh, weighing my, my bergen. Of course, me being deaf, I thought he said, I'm just weighing my burden. Well, that was a good one and I was ready for it. <laughs> and he got it, full barrels, burden. Oh, have you got a burden, brother? Well, let me tell you about burdens and what the Bible says about burdens. Poor lad. He probably wondered where I came from. Anyway, folks, be blessed. And remember that certainly the best is yet to come. But while we are here, we have so much to be thankful for. The death of Christ, his resurrection, the help of the Holy Spirit and the promise of his coming.
and the fact that we will not stand in that awful day of judgment because we have Christ as our Saviour. Let us pray.